0: Welcome to Houston Sports Weekly. We have just had an absolutely massive week in sports in the city of Houston. The Astros, the defending champs, had opening weekend, opening day, ring night. There was a uh, Jeremy Pena ring given to fans, a trophy, like a plastic trophy, Uh, Jeremy Pena bobblehead, you saw the Astros get their rings, you saw them play for the first time since they won the World Series here in Houston. The Astros are back, and not only that, we had the Final Four here in Houston. Of course, the teams that were playing in the Final Four, not exactly the teams that we expected uh, in the NCAA tournament, Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, UConn, and Miami with the UConn-Connecticut Huskies winning the NCAA championship for the fifth time. Up in Dallas, the women's tournament was a massive success, pulling nearly 10 million viewers for the final game between my Iowa Hawkeyes and the superstar Caitlin Clark and the champion LSU Tigers, now coached by former Baylor legend Kim Mulkey. So a great uh, week of basketball in the state of Texas, both in Dallas and here in Houston. We just got a note uh, from the good folks at the Houston-Harris Cow- uh, County Sports Authority. They pulled $271 million of economic impact here in Houston for the Final Four, so everything widely a success. I was there both nights, Saturday and Monday, thought everything uh, was terrific, from the food to the seating to the uh, to the atmosphere of the fans uh, and what the fans were able to enjoy in terms of FanFest, if you're coming in from San Diego for the final or Connecticut or Miami or Boca Raton. So, uh Everything went great for the Final Four, and and just another reason why the city of Houston shows how well we do in hosting big events like Super Bowls, like Final Fours, and next year, the college football playoff national championship. But let's get back to the Astros, because this is a big week for the defending champs. They got their rings, and they're getting ready for the season ahead, and there's going to be a couple of months. Jose Altuve. Altuve, of course, got hit in the hand, broke his thumb uh, during the World Baseball Classic, has already had surgery, and a mix of Mauricio Dubon and David Hensley will be mostly filling in at second base. The Astros are also missing Michael Brantley, who took some time away for personal reasons during spring training and also is still recovering from shoulder surgery, which caused him to miss the back half of the season last year and miss the playoff run. The Astros re-signed him this year as a potential fit in left field. Uh, fit at DH will kind of 50-50 to some degree supposed to mix in with Jordan Alvarez who has that lingering hand issue although you wouldn't really know it based on his production early in the season and the Astros have gotten really good production from Alvarez From Kyle Tucker, who is playing like a potential MVP candidate, and I think many of us who watch Tucker pretty regularly know that this guy is a potential MVP candidate. He's a 30 home run threat. He's a 30 stolen base threat. I think without the shift, this is a guy whose batting average is going to climb very high, and his big thing in his career has been starting slow. And now he's starting hot. So if uh, we get this Kyle Tucker all year, he is a legitimate MVP candidate among a guy like Jordan Alvarez, Aaron Judge, Shohei Otani, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Mike Trout, uh, Julio Rodriguez, guys like that, Jose Ramirez. So uh, the American League has a ton, ton of good players. Kyle Tucker is making his argument that he should be near the top. Also, center field, that battle has been fun. That battle has been interesting. Chaz McCormick earned the center field role at the back half of last season and was a hero in the World Series, but that did not help him. earn the role full-time this year. McCormick gave up the first two starts of the year to Jake Myers and then Myers came back and uh, has struggled early this year, and McCormick has broken out so far, just hit a home run this week, uh, he's stealing bases, he's walking, he's doing all the right things. Uh, I, I like the argument for Jake Myers, if he was significantly a better defender than McCormick, but he isn't. McCormick's actually a really, really good defender. The numbers show that he is a, a pretty excellent center fielder. So let's take a listen into the Astros and what they had to say in their first week. Well,
1: two of our contact guys aren't in the lineup, you know. And uh, the the one thing that you, you know, a lot of the strikeouts, you know, have been by the young guys, which they were prone to do in the minor leagues, but we're trying to school them. And plus some of those strikeouts, (laughs) we're facing some dudes throwing 98 to 100. You know, so some of those strikeouts, especially Dylan C's this guy strikes out a lot of people, so uh, yeah, their whole everybody at their bullpen was throwing 95 to 200 100 miles an hour. I mean, that's that's some power gas coming out of the bullpen. So it, was it us or is it them, or is it just early in the year? You know, so.
2: It was uh, it was unreal. It was on real experience. It was uh, a. The feel, the, the stronger feelings were when I was uh, from the on-deck circuit to the batter's box, right. But uh, when I got to the batter's box, I was, uh, when I saw the pitcher, I, was, it just felt like a, like home, right. It felt like something that I've been doing, I've been doing since I was eight years old, and the, the feelings just like settled down a little bit, and I, could, I was able to relax. So I got the ball from the walk, and I got the lineup card. You do have a ball? Can you yeah. show it to us? Yeah, sure. <laughs> this, is the, this is the first walk. What are you going to do with it? Put it somewhere special. <laughs> put it in my, uh, save it from the house and I put it in a little, uh, how do you call those, uh, where you uh, put balls? Uh, like a uh, case. Like a case, yeah, a little case, yeah, a little special right. case. I have my first uh, first professional head, I have my first uh, winter ball head, and uh, those, are, those are the only two now uh, I get to keep this and hopefully first will be soon as soon as possible. As soon as possible, for sure. It was awesome. Um, super happy for Kim, for LSU. Um, they made so many of us so proud and um, pretty, pretty inspiring what she's done in her career. Um, won a national championship as a player, um, won four national championships as a coach, won a gold medal, and she's the first coach in women's basketball history to win one at two different universities, and she did it in her first two years of the program. It's it's incredible. They returned one player from last year, and um, I mean that player was really good, Lexus Morris. <laughs> so um, I'm excited for their future for the, for the team. It definitely um, the whole NCAA women's basketball tournament was so much fun to watch um, between LSU, South Carolina. Caitlin Clark was incredible, um, so it was fun. It was a fun uh, tournament all around, especially. Um, especially this year, I sent him a text last night. I was almost shedding a tear when she was, and she was crying. I was so happy for them, and um, can't wait to celebrate. Hopefully, have her out here at Minute Maid Park. Uh, hopefully, if we play the Cardinals at home, Kramer will be up, and she'll come to the game. All right, here at Minute Maid Park uh,
3: with A.J. Hinch, the Troy Tigers, in town to take on the Astros. First off, great to see you. Yeah, great to see you. And, uh, man, uh, is it still, uh, even though it's been a few years, still a unique feeling when you come back to H-Town and Minute Maid Park walking this place? For sure,
1: because I I still live here in the winter. Um, My youngest daughter is still in high school, and so we call this home. And so it's the people that really make it uh, a warm welcome every time I come home. Every time I get to come in this ballpark, it's it's people that work here, it's the people around the park, it's you, it's everybody that comes around to uh, to say hello. Makes the memories come back again. This is a fond place in my uh, in my past, and also a yeah. place it's tough to come play as a visitor, as we found out the last couple of years.
3: What uh, in, I was going to ask you, even though it is the past, will this be even? 20 years from now, 30 years yeah. from now, you'll always have that memory of what you are able to get done here in Houston.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and also just so many the, the relationships that are built. Um, yeah. They don't go away just because you change uniforms or you change jobs or um, things happen over time. So, you know, you take all the good that you can out of it, um, soak it up as much as you can. There's going to be a lot to celebrate over this era of Astros baseball. We're we tasked now to try to beat them. Yeah. Um, they're a tough team. They're reigning champs. you got to come in and play well in this ballpark. Uh, to beat this group, but you know, I think when when all is said and done, and I look back on my career, uh, I'm going to be very fortunate that Houston was a part of it.
3: There's still a few pieces on this team from when you were here, and you, you saw what they were able to accomplish, and from afar. Yeah. And uh, what do you think it was like watching them do it again that you were able to accomplish yeah. the same thing? Right? Yeah, well, I was
1: a fan. I mean, obviously yeah. watching the games and how exciting it was the last couple of years, and. Uh, you know, you pull for your guys. I mean, once you're in the trenches with guys, and when you have Reggie and you have Altuve, and mm-hmm. when Carlos was here, Jordan has broken him in as a rookie. You see what Lance has gone through as a player. So, I, um, so many relationships, like I said, that are built. So, when you're on the outside looking in, you pull for your guys and you want them to do well. And yeah. the other part that I think a lot of people don't realize is we go right to player coach relationships, but uh, clubhouse staff, security, uh, people in the front office that, um, you know that 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 really send the message that you're trying to deliver as a manager all of us that are in these jobs appreciate the work behind the scenes that's done to make uh to make it memorable for the
3: fans all right so you guys are here for three you're here to win baseball games uh, what are the keys in this series when you look at how you guys are playing and, and kind of what they're going to be thrown at
1: yeah you got to punch first against this team they're really good at playing ahead they're a momentum team uh, they can do a ton of damage very very quickly so if you can get ahead of them. Um, it makes them chase you a little bit. They are a team that pitches well when they when they have the lead. Um, 27 outs seems like forever <laughs> to get them against a team like this, especially when their offense is clicking. So um, we'll see how the lineups go the next three days. I know it's early in the season. Guys are getting rest days. If Dusty wants to rest, Jordan or Tuck or, or, or Bregman in any of these next three days, I'll sign off on it, too.
3: How different, and you you had a chance to manage him. Uh, Jose's out, Altuve's out for a couple of months. How yeah. I'm, different of a club is this with him not in the picture uh, yeah. for, for a while? He's an
1: energy provider, and, and he always has been. And, um, and not just for the players. I mean, the fans really respond when he comes up to bat. And um, the type of success that he's had, if you can – um, avoid you know him being in a big moment as an opponent that's better I hate that he's out I, I you know it made me mm-hmm. sick to my stomach when I was watching the game when he got hit uh, but he's a catalyst now they, they they're pretty deep here so they've got a lot of good players that can 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 you know take the at-bats while he's down but know um, I've always said everything that's right about baseball is out Jose Altuve He's a, he's a terrific person he's a an unbelie- unbelievable tone setter for an unbelievable team
3: WBC are you on board you, yeah. you, you support that is it kind of nerve-wracking too, knowing it's so close to the season and it's happened to the Astros or yeah. some other injuries no
1: there. we need it we need to to market our sport yeah. we need our players to play we, yeah. we need them all to return to their camp safely and it didn't happen for a lot of reasons but we had guys injured in our camp that didn't play in the WBC so mm-hmm. um, it's gut-wrenching whenever players get hurt and 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 they miss time in the regular season but uh, as we've seen in other sports, when your sport is, is at the world stage and not just sort of the country stage, um, it's incredible for everybody that's
3: involved. Last question, uh, Detroit Tigers, still a young club. You guys have made some changes. Where do you think it stands right now with some of this young talent continues yeah. to grow up from front No, we've out.
1: got to mature. Um, you, know, we're, we're, you know, we're tipping our captain, Miguel Cabreras, in his last year. Yeah. Uh, but we want to do that by winning more games. We have not. Um, been healthy the last couple of years. We have not played our best. We have not gotten off to a great start yet, but it can change today. You know how optimistic I am about today's game. And we have every bit the talent to, to come in and win, it, uh, win today's game and, um, and build off of that. But our best players are going to be our young players. They're going to be the players that are breaking in. And, and Astros fans will remember uh, what it was like breaking in the names that we've mentioned before, and that's, that's what we're trying to build here. All
3: right, Welcome back to Houston, right, man. You. You
1: Good to it. see you, AJ.
0: When we come back on Houston Sports Weekly, we're going to talk more about the Final Four, more about basketball, and what we've got going on in the city when we return. Welcome back to Houston Sports Weekly, the KPRC 2 Plus Sports Podcast. Good to talk a little bit about the Astros and hear from those guys as they are getting ready to defend their championship, trying to become the first team since the 98, 99, and 2000 Yankees to win back-to-back World Series. Of course, the Yankees did it four out of five seasons, only losing a 97 Uh, In the playoffs, the Cleveland Indians went to the World Series that year against the Florida Marlins, who'd only been in existence for like five years, and they won a World Series. Then in 2001, the Yankees were walked off by Luis Gonzalez in one of the greatest World Serieses of all time. I remember watching that game at 10 years old and wanting the Yankees to lose so bad as a Mets fan, and then Luis Gonzalez delivered uh, that great hit. But let's talk about the Final Four. This is one of the magical events that the city has hosted, and despite the University of Houston and the University of Texas not making it, uh, we still had good matchups on both sides. Miami has been popular on both the men's and women's side for how they've handled NIL. They've been obviously roundly criticized uh, for bringing in the Cavender twins, and there was some sort of, you know, punishment band-aid about or whatever, uh, and their women's team made the Elite Eight, and then the men's team, it was sort of kind of under the radar. They've been really good lately uh, with Coach Jim Laranaga, and they've been under the radar in terms of that NAL stuff because the Cavender twins are the ones that are getting all the attention, which... Great for women's basketball. I mean, you have a handful of players now on the women's side that are killing it when it comes to NIL, when it comes to these endorsement deals, like the Cavender twins, like Caitlin Clark, like the champion LSU, like the uh, previous champion South Carolina, Paige Beckers when she comes back from her injury. There are a number of women's players who are making an impact, and there are people. A lot of it is social media marketing um, that are you know kind of taking advantage of that big number of fans that follow these ladies on social media, and then that number. Translated really well on television, and you saw uh, you know nearly 10 million people watching the uh, NCAA women's final. But on the men's side, the Miami Hurricanes lead eight last year, uh, magical run to the Final Four this year. Less magical for uh, University of Houston fans who saw Miami take them down. The Miami Hurricanes were a team that likes to run, and that's kind of the one way that you can beat. Houston. Houston is a slow, grinded-out team. It's defense and rebounding, and they allowed Miami to run against them. They allowed Miami to get a bunch of rebounds. And one thing I think that the Houston Cougars are missing... Is more snipers. They've always done well when they have guys that can shoot, right? If there's a few people that are struggling, then you always have, you know, a guy off the bench who can go and fill up a couple buckets, get you back in a game when you're down, and then you let, you know, the grinders, the guys who get those rebounds, uh, do it. And so it was massively disappointing for a one seed, a number one AP team to lose in the sweet sixteen for Houston this year, which I think speaks to the strength of the program where like We're disappointed that they didn't go beyond the Sweet 16. And for a long, long time, this was a program that was down. And if you were going to say, hey, Houston's going to make the second weekend, I think a lot of UH fans would be excited. But now, Kelvin Sampson and how well he's done in the tournament, how well he's done from a recruiting standpoint, has set a higher standard where this team went to the Final Four Two seasons ago, they went to the Elite Eight the year before with maybe a team that wasn't as talented as this year's team. Marcus Sasser is back. They had Tremont Mark. They had a, a one-and-done five-star lottery pick in Jarris Walker. You had all those connective players like the Juwan Robertses and, and the Reggie Cheneys, guys that have been around who have been in the practice room for years and now can fill in their role and step up. And that team ran into a Miami Hurricanes team who was just zipping, just running up and down the court and taking advantage of the pace and were able to beat Houston. And then they beat a Texas team who, again, from like a recruiting standpoint, should be more talented than Miami. And Miami goes out and wins uh, as a five seed, uh, wins that section of the bracket and go up against UConn, who just crushed them. And UConn's back. Uh, UConn was down for nearly the last decade after they won a championship in 2014 with Shabazz Napier. And for a long, long time, you know, it was Jim Calhoun, right? You had Khalid el in 99, and then they were awesome for every year. 2004, Emeka Okafor from Bel Air High School uh, helped them win the second title. And they had, you know, the Rip Hamiltons, the Ben Gordons, all these guys, the Josh Boons, Marcus Williams, uh, Stanley Robinson. Like, every year, Connecticut's a legit threat to make it to a Final Four. Kemba Walker, un- amazing. In 2011, they kind of had that seven-year window, and then three years later, Calhoun is now retired. Kevin Ollie is the new coach, uh, and then he wins a title with Shabazz Napier in 2014. And then he had kind of that window, and it's been nine years since they won a title, which obviously isn't that different from the seven-year break between 04 and '11. But UConn, you know, five-year window, seven-year window, three-year window, and then this nine-year window in between. Dan Hurley has really turn that program around from being just sort of you know like a and also ran a decent program that is underachieving and now UConn is back fully on top and you got to think that when you're coming off a championship your recruiting is going to get better I mean they have been historically good they've been historically strong in recruiting the northeast and getting these guys um, from you know New York Pennsylvania the powerhouse uh, Maryland Baltimore these type of areas that have a lot of good talent uh, four college basketball players. Uh, they've got the African players. They've got guys that come from overseas that mix in. And uh, UConn feels like they're back with this national title. On the other side, really impressive job by San Diego State to go through and uh, make it to the NCAA final. You know, them winning would have been, and I know that they were a five seed and not you know, the lowest seed to win, which was Villanova in, I want to say, 85, were uh, an 8 seed. But Villanova is kind of one of these, you know, super kind of blue blood schools, right? Like, there are big-time name schools, the Michigan States, the North Carolinas, who will have a down year and be an 8 seed or a 9 seed or whatever, and then they can make a run because that team has talent anyway. They're just underachieving during the regular season. I think Villanova counts as a big-name school. San Diego State's not, right? Like, San Diego State has had some success in basketball, much of it because of Steve Fisher coming from Michigan and uh, turning their program around, and now Brian Dutcher is the coach, and Dutcher is a um, a former ass- a longtime assistant of Steve Fisher, and they have, uh, you know, just really been impressive lately, but this is... Uh, a Mountain West school that made it to the national final. It's, it's kind of the most surprising national final participant, I think, since Butler, since 2011, uh, when UConn won 12 years before that. But San Diego State is kind of a very random school to make it to the final. There are a lot of these sort of random small schools that make the run, the VCUs, the Loyolas, that make it to the final four. But then when it comes to winning and may actually making it to the national final, I mean, these teams lose in the final four on that Saturday. And uh, luckily for San Diego State, their opponent was nine seed Florida Atlantic, who was an even more Cinderella type of story. And it was funny because I was talking to uh, Vladislav Golden, their Russian seven foot center. And I said uh, in Russian, um, uh, how tired are you? of hearing the word Cinderella. Cinderella. Uh, you know, are you tired of hearing the word Cinderella? And he said, Yeah, of course. I mean we're we're not. We're not a Cinderella. We have the most wins in college basketball. We're a good team. We play connected. We're an older team. This isn't, you know, a bunch of random guys. It's a team that's been together for a long time and Dusty May has coached them up and, and they're good. And so that's where uh Ford Atlantic Came in, had a fun conversation with Vladislava over a few days. I kind of scared him a little bit in the breakout session. If you go to click2houston.com, to you can watch all the videos of me uh, speaking in Russian with the seven foot one. So if you see the video where I'm like standing next to him and interviewing him like this, because I'm 5'10, all right? I am of average height of the American male. This guy is one. So that is why I look so short next to him, okay? Um, but very impressive stuff from what uh, San Diego State did to make it all the way to the NCAA final. I know they've got a bit of a history with the guys like Kawhi Leonard and Jamal Franklin. Shout out Jamal Franklin, who is hit boy, uh, the rap producer's cousin uh, play for the Grizzlies a little bit when I covered them back in the early 2010s, mid 2010s. Um, but they've got a program. They got a brand name. There's a bunch of fans. I saw wearing that 15 Kawhi Leonard Jersey, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, but this is a, uh, this is a program on the rise. This is a, a team That with the strength of their basketball program, and I know that they have some strength in terms of football, could be a future Pac-12 school. And now we've seen all this conference realignment. They're in San Diego. They're in a massive, this is a top 30 media market. This is a city that lost their NFL team. So right now their only pro sports of the big four are the Padres. So you have baseball, and then you have a bunch of people that can pour a lot of their resources into cheering for San Diego State, other than, you know, they have soccer and stuff and they're surfing and whatever and, and golf tournaments. But uh, San Diego State could really draw a big chunk of uh, the fan base in the city of San Diego, which is, a you know, a big city, a top 30 city. In the country with a lot of people that, that have money to spend on going to sporting events. Uh, it was cool to see Astro David Hensley and his dad Mike were hanging out at the uh, the game on Saturday. Uh, David got a, a bit of an unfortunate draw on Monday. He was in the lineup for the Astros as they were playing the Tigers. Their game starts at 7-10. San Diego State and UConn national title game started at 8-20. Um, if they were winning, I would say, you know, get done as soon as you can, shower quick, knock out media two minutes, and then hustle over to NRG. Not in the cards as uh, UConn kind of had the lead and had a, a pretty significant advantage for a lot of that game, so David wasn't able to make it over. But overall, uh, as we mentioned in uh, the first segment of this podcast, $271 million for the city uh, in terms of economic impact. Just a tremendous job by all the people from the Houston-Harris County Sports Authority who who came together Put the final four together. Put FanFest together. Got Megan the Stallion to come uh, to have a concert on Friday night at uh, at the fan fest on Discovery Green. Uh, all the police officers, the city workers that put everything together, running traffic, running sanitation. Making sure everyone needs to go where they need to go, the metro rail, et cetera, um, the security, all the people that you know running the parking lots, everything—just a a great team effort by the city of Houston to put together a, a pretty seamless event uh, for four schools to come here and try to cement their legacy in the world of college basketball. And again, a uh, you know a round of applause for the city of Houston and the people who put it on. So, this has been Houston Sports Weekly. Coming up, we'll talk Masters next week. We'll talk about the Astros as they are uh, struggling a little bit to start the year. And, of course, as we get into NFL draft season with the Houston Texans and the Rockets wrapping up their year with another uh, lottery pick, hopefully number one, and they can uh, you know, pray for Wemby there. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening on KPRC2+. plus. I'm Ari Alexander, and this is Houston Sports Weekly.